Are you seeking more energy, inspiration, wisdom? If so, you're not alone. Each episode is a glimpse into the live discussions we're creating at TogetherWeSeek.online. I'm JJ Geronimo, a lightworker and curious soul, interviewing some amazing practitioners and lightworkers to explore inspiration and ancient wisdom with the goal of illuminating our knowing, brightening our path, and further manifesting our work. so excited to be joining you because I have an amazing guest, Megan Edge. She brings together so many delightful treasures, specialties, and even interests that I cannot wait to dive in today. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. Well, my first interest was that you're a master healer, but since I've learned about you and talked to you, there's so much more to your work. And I think I would like to start with foraging because I want to learn more about what that is. And I know people listening could be equally as curious. It is one of my absolute passions and it's something that I've been doing my entire life. I was really fortunate to grow up in a foraging family. And for those in the audience who may not be familiar with what that means, what is foraging, it's literally going out into the forest or into the parks and collecting plant medicine for or for food for, or for medicine or just for the aromatics of it, um, potpourri, those sorts of things, and, and then benefiting from the amazing things that are in the plants that are around us. So you go into the forest and like, did your, how did your family know what mushrooms, what things to stay away from, what things to lean into? Well, it's a lot of learning and it is a huge learning curve. And that's actually what I hear most often, often from people when I tell them that I forage for wild mushrooms is, oh my God, I would never do that. I wouldn't know what to, what to take and aren't they poisonous? And yes, it's really important to teach yourself, to educate yourself or work with somebody like myself who already has the knowledge so that you know what you can eat and what you should probably stay away from. The edible mushrooms, once you know how to identify them, it's very obvious which ones they are. And so really it's a matter of, of you know, like I said, teaching yourself and then also taking the, the opportunity to go out and just observe what's out there until you get familiar with it. It's incredible. And what's the interest level? I mean, are people, this seems like something I've never heard of. I obviously know people use mushrooms in various capacities, but I never really thought about gathering them and the art of gathering them. So what's the interest level right now around that? I think it's really quite high and it's certainly increasing. There's a lot of interest that people have now in understanding what's around them in their environment that they can take advantage of to help their health and their well-being. And there's a huge surge in research on medicinal mushrooms and the kinds of benefits that eating those mushrooms can have. For example, mushrooms have vitamin D in them naturally, one of the few foods that do. Um, Mushrooms have selenium in them. They've got antiviral properties, anti-inflammatory properties, anti-cancer properties, and all of these are being investigated by researchers around the world. So there's a huge push for the medicinal mushrooms. And then where I come in, I mean, I do work with medicinal mushrooms, but where I come in is educating people on how to benefit from mushrooms, whether it's the little white mushrooms that you most people are familiar with that you find in the supermarket, or something more exotic like lion's mane or reishi, uh, and how to incorporate mushrooms into your into your food on a daily basis so that you can benefit 
from the medicinal properties that are in those mushrooms. Here on the west coast of Canada, where I live, we're so close to nature. We're, it's, the forests are right there. They're outside of our doors in most cases. So there's a lot of people around here who are very keenly interested in learning and understanding how they can forage, whether it's seaweed on the beach or mushrooms in the forest, and then how to work with those, um, those elements. That is fascinating. And I know I already know people inside the community together we seek that are going to love this. And I'm going to include obviously the link below when we uh, schedule Beyond the Garden Gate Botanical with Megan Edge. So you'll have the link below that you can see her forging. You can see all the products that you collect and share and the knowledge. So I find that, you know, we get glimpses of our life's work early on. So when did you realize that being part of your family was like part of your life's work? <laughs> Probably before I was born. <laughs> Really? Uh, honestly, my mother, as nine months pregnant, was out in the forest foraging. Um, and as soon as I was born, I was put on the, the pack, you know, in the backpacker on the papoose. And I was out there. And as a little, little kid, of course, I was closer to the ground than my parents were. So my job was to look underneath the salal or look underneath the trees to find the mushrooms. So it's really been it's, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. I, I can't walk outside the door and not notice something in my environment and either know what it is or if I don't learn as soon as I can what it is so I'm constantly educating myself um, as I go through my days so it, it really is true to say that it's it's been with me always my whole life I love that. I love that. And then how has that unfolded into the work you do now? I mean, we talked about you being a master healer, you're into horticulture, you're into aromatic oils. So how how does this unfold for you over time? Uh, in, well, in terms of working with my clients and working with my students, my passion is in educating other people to help them see their potential and what's around them and what they can do with, with those things, um, especially when it comes to health and well-being. The, we have in our culture a huge push towards pharmaceuticals and they certainly have their time and place. But what our mainstream medicine doesn't always address is the long-term health goals that people have. So where I can help someone understand that the food they put in their bodies is so important to staving off particular illnesses or helping them deal with something that they have like inflammation or a, a particular disease, if they can understand and learn and then implement the skills that I can share with them, then I feel like I've done my work. You know, at the end of the day, I feel that I've done something helpful for other people. And because it's so broad, like whether it's essential oils or plant medicines or nutrition or mental well-being, spiritual well-being, all of that there's so much to it that I, I understand how overwhelming it can be for someone to try to figure out where to start and what to how to implement things. And, and so that's also another area of, of my passion is being able to show someone how they can incorporate all of these things into their lifestyle so that it's easy. And every day they know that they're doing something really good for themselves and they're keeping themselves healthy and vital and, and energized. So it, it just, it all ties in together at the end of the day. So I don't know, I've jumped in and out, well, I would say in and off my path, which mm -hmm. is kind of true because I had things I had to learn that now enhance my path later on. And so you're starting off as a child, you're in the forest, you know, then you go to school and beyond. Like how, 
How have you come back and forth into these different disciplines? At the, I would say that at this point in my life, I, I walk my talk. I live the way that I encourage other people to live. And it's a natural state for me to be in. But certainly that hasn't always been true. I, I stepped away from a lot of this as I left university and you know, came, became a house owner, became a parent. I was still aware of all of this stuff and especially the foraging because that's something that I do every every year, especially with the mushrooms. But I wasn't really thinking in terms of how do I how do I be of service to others with this body of knowledge? Mm. And when my mother passed away uh, before I had my children, that that whole experience of watching her go through the mainstream medicine and the places where it helped her and the places where it failed her was a, a huge um, impetus for me to understand how to prevent the disease from happening in the first place through lifestyle and through healing and health and well-being, both mental and and physical. So that her death was a was a catalyst, but and it wasn't really until my my, da- my younger daughter was born and she was born with so many allergies, life-threatening anaphylaxis. And so I had to, I had to learn and understand how I could keep her safe. And through that, I, I started to delve into this amazing world of alternative healing and um, spiritual medicine. And um, it just blossomed from there. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Anissa Nin, where she says, um, and, and I'm going to probably not say it correctly, but I'll do my best, which was, um, and then the day came when it was more painful to stay tight in a bud than it was to bloom. And I read that on a card in a metaphysical shop here in Victoria. And I burst into tears when I read it because I realized that what I was doing was keeping myself really tight in a bud. And what I was being asked to do by the universe was to expand and to bloom and to blossom and it was it was that sentence gave me permission to open up and to rekindle the path that I had started as a child and as a teenager and a young adult in university when I was doing a lot of spiritual questing. It gave me permission to go back there, but not only go back there to do something with it that was going to make a difference for myself, but also more importantly for other people. It was that how can I be of service question. I love that. And I think that's great guidance for people listening because I feel like so many of us keep ourselves so tight until we have it all figured out, which obviously is not the goal. Like we're not expected (laughs) to have it figured out, but we are expected to lean in with what we know so far. Exactly. And if, if I can coach someone into that mindset of it's not perfection, it's, it's, um, what was it now? It's not perfection. It's how you show up right? It's, mm. it's it's performance and not in like you have to be Whitney Houston performance. I mean, the way in which you show up in the world is indicative of the kinds of experiences that you're going to have in your life. So get really clear on what kinds of experiences you want to have in your life. And they don't have to be perfect and nor do you. You weren't, you didn't come here to be perfect. You know, you came here to be human and, and that comes with a whole host of... <laughs> you know, scars and warts and, and flaws. But that that in itself is the perfection. That's the only perfection is recognizing the warts and all. 
and then letting yourself be in that and letting yourself show up in that and allowing the people around you to have their experience of you without getting hooked into what that experience of you is. I love it. I love it. And uh, I just got off a keynote with a bunch of women and they're all concerned about what their bosses are saying and what other women are saying. And I'm like, all you can really worry about is what you're saying to yourself and what energy and frequency you're sharing with the world. It's really all we can control. That's right. That's exactly it. We do not have any control over how someone else experiences us or how they feel about us, because frankly, it's none of our business. And and everything that someone is experiencing about you is coming through their filters over, over which you do not have any control. So to be able to stand in the energy of letting yourself be seen rather than trying to get noticed changes everything. And I, I speak from very personal experience on that because I spent many, many years trying to get noticed, trying to have my former husband notice me or have my supervisor notice me or whoever. And I put a lot of energy into getting noticed, but I wasn't just letting myself be seen. And once I understood that I could just let myself be seen, I could just show up, so much weight fell off my shoulders and and so much you know anxiety and stress and worry that I was putting energy into instead of putting energy into just letting myself be me and and having my successes and having my failures and letting all of that be okay it changed everything when I had that Mm -hmm. epiphany moment of just be seen see what happens I love that I love that showing up just showing up you know I just think sometimes if you continue to work on how you feel about yourself your energy having that gratitude and appreciation and even mindfulness of what's happening in the moment Mm-hmm. It does allow you space to just be, and it takes a while, but it is worth it. And it gives us so much freedom to not put those expectations on ourselves of what we want to experience and how we want other people to experience us. And I feel like that is such a golden rule that you mm-hmm. mentioned in so many ways is just show up. Yeah. Not to be seen, but just to like be and what was the word you used? Like just to allow yourself to be seen so that other people can have their experience of you instead of trying to get noticed. Yes. The energy of getting noticed is like me, me, me. Look over here. I'm over here. Look how good I am. Look what I'm doing here. As opposed to hi, (laughs) here I am. Hi, and let them feel the frequency that you're giving off and tap into the wisdom that comes with your soul. I love that. Yeah. That is so powerful, Megan. And, you know, I just, I feel like your work is so powerful and all the conversations we've been having and just the, the, the information you put online. And it definitely seems like you have just shown up to be seen in the sense of like, this is what I have to offer the world. And with that, you know, I love the fact that you lean into being a master healer. So can you share with those that are on the healing path, what what defines a master healer and how does that come about? Mm, well, for me, by, I was given those, those, I was given the title twice by two different people uh, about probably a decade or so ago. And it happened within such a short period of time. And, and I know that I believe that when things like that show up, you're meant to pay attention to them. 
especially if it happens three times, <laughs> but two, two was enough. And um, I was sharing with a friend of mine, the, the things that I was doing, um, the offerings that I had for my, my clients on their healing journey. And she looked at me and she said, Megan, you have a mastery of these modalities. You need to step into that. You need to own that you have this breadth of knowledge and you have this wealth of, of wisdom that you can share with other people. She said, I'd like to see you use Master Healer after your name. And I said, no way, absolutely not. You've got to be kidding me. No, no, no. <laughs> this huge wall came up. Um, I was not ready to be seen like that. And I wasn't ready to presume that I could use that title. And then about two weeks later, I was doing some work with a client and we had this massive breakthrough. And she said to me after the tears had dried, she said, oh, no one else has been able to get me that deep. She said, you have a mastery. You are a master healer. And I sort of blushed and said, oh, no, I'm not. And I, you know, I thanked her and she left. And then I sat with it for a while. And I really had this very strong sense. I, I could almost hear the words, um, which was own it, just own it. And I thought, OK, I'll I'll own it. I'll it's been given to me. And if I were to deny it after this is other people's experience of the work that they've done with me, then I'm doing them a disservice. Right. So when I use that master healer, I use it from a place of of deep humbleness for the experiences that other people have had with the work that I can do with them and that they can then um, do with me. It's, it's not something that I take lightly. And I also stand in it with an understanding that, yes, I, I earned that title because of the, the passion and devotion that I have to the work that I do and constantly wanting to educate myself and learn more and be able to offer more to people, to be able to fill out my healer's toolkit with all of these different, different um, modalities, because I understand that each of us has a unique experience of our own journey, our own stories, our own healing. No one modality is going to work for everyone, right? And so to be able to offer lots of different modalities, and I don't offer all of them, I certainly don't know all of them. There's lots of amazing healing modalities out there that I, I haven't learned, um, and I may not because I've got a lot already. Um, and, and that's perfect though, because if I'm not a fit for somebody to do their healing work with, there's gonna be somebody else out there in the world who is a fit for them. And that's that's perfect, that's what I would want. Um, for that client. So I know that's a very long um, answer to your question, but it's, that's the truth of it. While you were talking at, not only did I feel the strength from mother nature coming up my legs into my torso and like kind of sitting on my shoulders, like I really felt how you've grown into this. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many uh, descriptions that we could use that are botanical in nature to describe what it is like to step into um, the role of a healer and be that for your community and for the world at large and for your family and for your for yourself that it, it really is that sense of growing it but it's and it's also that sense of groundedness you know it's mm -hmm. keeping your feet on the ground we were talking before the show started about the the need for practical approaches to healing to mystery to magic to all of these wonderful things to the spiritual 
And, and that's something that I've really cultivated over the years is to be able to stand in that groundedness, the practical and the easiest way possible for a person to achieve whatever their goals are, whether it's career goals, financial goals, healing goals, education goals, there's, there is an easy path. There can be a path of ease. And that's what I want to bring into the work that I do rather than making it more complicated than it necessarily needs to be. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I just really appreciate you sharing the botanicals, the forging, how you've emerged into the master healer. And I think in the time we have left one, I just want to congratulate you because you have gorgeous Oracle cards. And as many healers and authors know, it is not easy to get published, especially for an Oracle deck. So uh, I know your heart's journey too is such a powerful place in your work. Do you want to share a little bit about those? Oh, I would love to. Thank you. They they really do tie into the whole nature as medicine for me because essentially what these were these these heart cards. Um, I've got the deck is here. It's a box set. Uh, there's 42 oracle cards in the box set, and each one is a photograph of a heart or heart shape that I found in nature as I was coming out of my, my former marriage, my 23 year marriage. And, and I said to the universe, I just need a sign. Just give me a sign that I'm following my heart and I'm, and I'm doing this with integrity and with the best of intentions for all involved. And the universe who has a sense of humor started showing me hearts, <laughs> but okay. I asked for a heart. So here it is. Here are the hearts. And, and I started taking photographs just with my phone of these hearts as I found them and kept them just for myself. They were reminders that despite all the pain and the and the angst of going through a separation and divorce, if I followed my heart, then I was I was in integrity. And as I exited from that marriage and, and set up my own my home on my own with my with my daughters, uh, one of my clients said to me, you know, these hearts that you have everywhere, these photos of, of hearts, they need to be shared. You need to put them out there. I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess I I guess I will. So I, I did. I started sharing them on Facebook and people loved them. And the response was so incredible. And then I started to get one of those whispers that we were, you were talking about. Then, then it became a dull roar, which was, <laughs> you have to share these. This must become a deck of Oracle cards. And I'd worked with Oracle cards with my clients for years and years. So I was very familiar with, with how, that, how they work. Um, the most challenging part about the writing of the book that comes with the Oracle cards is the personal story that I, where I explain what it was like to find these hearts and why they were so important to me because of what I was going through and how difficult it was to go through what was happening with my marriage. And that whole story of going from being noticed to being, to let yourself be seen happened when, once we published with Hay House and Balboa, it was the releasing of my story because I understood at that point, I can't do anything about how anybody sees this story or reads it. And they might think I'm a horrible person for the choices that I made, or they might see themselves in the story and be grateful that someone else knows what they're going through. But either way, I, I can't do anything about it. You know. And as you know, as an author, when you release that story into the world, it's not yours anymore. It's still a part of you, but you don't own it. It's now It now belongs to the people who are going to be impacted from it in whatever way um, they're being impacted. So it isn't only a deck of Oracle cards, the heart's journey. It really is a, a healing toolkit that allows people to 
sit in meditation or contemplation of the messages that are on the cards and the different ways that I teach people how to work with the oracle cards as a, as a healing tool, it becomes a part of their journey, you know? And, and the beautiful thing about a journey is that it doesn't always have to have an ending. You can keep going. And that's really what the Heart's Journey Oracle Cards gives people the, the uh, permission to do or the ability to do is just to continue evolving our hearts and, and healing our hearts as, as things show up for us in the world. That is beautiful. And I already know who I'm giving it to. Like I already feel it. And I just love this conversation, Megan. You're so multifaceted. And I feel like I am so honored that you crossed my path. I feel like there are people out there that may join you some for some forging tours up in Canada. <laughs> what an amazing experience. Yeah. And I even know people that could learn from your journey of how you have used your innate knowledge to help guide and even heal other people. And I could not be more honored to have this time with you and share just a glimpse of your wisdom. Mm, thank you. My <laughs> thank you. I really do appreciate the opportunity to be in your energy and the enthusiasm that you have for being of service in the world too. I mean, to be able to connect like minds is, is always such a, an amazing thing to be able to do. Mm. So thank you for the space that you hold for this sort of conversation. Oh, well, thank you. I believe that this, these modalities, these healers, these light workers will heal so many hearts and so much of the feminine. Yes, absolutely. And guide the feminine into standing in, in, in her strength. I, we, we've got a lot of work to do in that area, but we're doing it. And it's incredible to watch over the last couple of decades, women stepping forward and claiming their voice again and claiming space and saying, here I am, and this is what I do, and this is what I can do. And, you know, this is the money I can earn, and this is the influence that I can have. To be a part of that, to be living as a woman in this time, it's an incredible experience. I'm covered in goosebumps as I as I say it. And even as a little, little girl, I was the one on the playground with my hands on my hips saying, don't you treat her like that, you know? <laughs> and, you and me both. You yeah. and me both. <laughs> I don't think there's any accident we're here right now, but I believe that this network, very similar to the CLM network, that we are going to feel the energy of all of us working independently and together to heal that feminine, so that we can work to raise and balance the energy of the masculine feminine across the planet. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be on this journey and meet people like you. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you inside the community Together We Seek. I will be in there. <laughs> See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. And that's a wrap. See you again here and over at togetherweseek.online where you can join live discussions with energy practitioners, healers, and spiritual leaders. See you there. See you there.